0: Hey, business building warrior, welcome to the weekend update. If you're listening to this episode right when it came out, it's Saturday. And what we like to do on Saturdays is still work. A lot of us work six days and rest one. Hey, good enough for God, good enough for us. That's the way He created the whole universe, right? So we're working on a Saturday, sure, but why not take along a great update, a podcast episode that we've gone back and reviewed from maybe two weeks, six weeks, six months ago. We've got hundreds of great interviews. So what we do on the weekends is we go back, we find those great episodes that maybe slipped past your radar or some of those great insights and tips and strategies from some of the successful students and just kind of break it down into little easily digested nuggets for your weekend update. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to dive into that in just a moment after I make a couple of announcements. First, if you haven't got a free copy yet of the brand new, all new, our 11th update of the silent sales machine book. This is the book that started this podcast. It started our community, the 73,000 members of our free Facebook group, our incredible events. It all started because I sat down about 20 years ago and wrote a book over a weekend. It was actually just a PDF report at the time. And it took off And it started this incredible movement that is now thousands of business building warriors all over the world. It wasn't because of anything that I did. I was just making some observations and sharing what others had taught me. I kind of compiled the information into one place with the premise of, hey, you can use the Internet to grow the business of your dreams. And here's the rules I'm kind of discovering. Here's some of the things you should avoid, I was discovering. And there's a group of us, we just kind of compiled this information and kept learning new things Well, I've updated it. And the 11th update is now available. All the stuff you should avoid, the legitimate opportunities that are available to you, the mindset that's required in order to tackle these opportunities, a lot of very specific strategic advice. On using the internet to launch and grow the business of your dreams, multiple income streams using the internet creatively. That's the book. So go to silent and you can see more about it. Or you can text the word free, that's F R E E, to this phone number. It'll be in the show notes as well today. The phone number is 507 800 0090. Now, if you happen to live outside the United States or Canada, that might not work for you. So just email our support team. There's a link at silentgym.com and say, hey, I heard Jim make that free offer. Assuming the free offer is still around, which it will expire at some point. But now as we're launching the book, we wanted to give it away for free. That's a great opportunity for you. So there's that. And I also want to remind you, if you're new around here, this podcast is the supporting podcast for the leading Amazon seller training in the industry. I'm talking about the proven Amazon course at provenamazoncourse.com. It's the longest running Amazon seller training in the industry with more success stories than any other, a bigger support team. There's about a hundred of us that support that course, all kinds of creative modules for every level of Amazon seller experience. You, if if you know nothing about Amazon, you know, nothing about e-commerce, we got you. If you've already got a $50,000, $100,000, $1, a million-dollar-a-month business, there's ideas in there I guarantee you have never been exposed to that could improve your business. So for $39 a month, AmazonCourse.com gets you a library of content that grows with you. We believe in just-in-time education, which means right when you need it, we got that next thing that you need, and it's in there. And then we've got our free Facebook group, Support community at silentgym.com. That's there to help you as well if you want to check that out. So that's the introduction for this weekend update. Let's go find out what the team has put together for us today. Enjoy this episode. We'll have brand new episodes for you starting at the beginning of the week. So don't miss those. Hey, have a great weekend. God bless you, warrior. Let's jump into the content.
1: The business story is, has been like anybody's kind of circuitous, right? It's not like perfectly linear. You look at the growth numbers and you say, wow, you're just growing every year. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs in between in the months and all that. So back when I was last on, I think we had just kind of gotten to the point where I felt like I was getting momentum. And to recap, I am still running the business with my brother. So we're both running the whole ship together, managing different pieces, depending on our skill sets. And at the time, I think we were doing like 800,000 a year, somewhere in that range. Um, and still I think that was
0: actually part of the description of the episode. I was just okay. looking at it before we started. To say, I think that's where you were.
1: I think that's right. And uh, the, the years are starting to blur together already. But I think that that year for sure, I was still working as a nurse. Yeah. And you he were. was still working because you were um, in the
0: thick of the COVID
1: thing. And Yeah. That's right.
0: <laughs> trying to navigate life, man. And it was nuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a busy time to be sure. So we've, um, just continue to work on the wholesale model, um, developing relationships and figuring out our strategy there. Um, we were able to get some, do some creative bundling and have some success with that as well, which is pretty similar to wholesale. It's kind of like would, you know, a unique application of the wholesale or replens model. And then we've been able to just keep step-by-step growing the business to the point where I think about a year and a half ago, closing on two years ago, we both went full time um and it's you know haven't looked back since it's been a plenty to keep us busy uh managing everything and working on growing the team and i'd say once we got sort of did the brute work of getting the business up to the point where we could pay ourselves enough to you know keep the bills paid then it's really been a journey of me learning more about what business is all about and how to be growing and leading a team and Thinking mm-hmm. on a little bit higher strategic level to say, three years from now, where do we need to be or yeah. you know, how can we?
0: I, I'll, do- what kind of people do I want to surround myself with? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, who, mm-hmm. who do I need on the team? Yeah, it's that leadership journey. Absolutely. Yeah, and you guys have been on quite a, a whirlwind pace as well. Since, you know, it sounds like because you're full time now. Since when did you say?
1: I, mean, uh, I think it was late 2021. So almost two years.
0: Okay, great. Then you've more than replaced your income. I take it at this point.
1: At this point, yeah, we are still focusing a lot on taking the the income of the business and really financing the stability of the business. Mm -hmm. Which anybody who's gotten into the Amazon game more than a few months has felt that pull of like, I want to buy more products, and as soon as I do, I don't feel like I have a lot of money I can pay out, right? Because the the inventory hungry beast uh, often demands a lot of the a lot of the paper profits to keep growing the monthly sales. And so we're still uh working on that that balance trying to figure out how to take care of the families and and also have enough to continue paying our employees well and and you know having a buffer in the bank so that if Amazon hiccups come our way we're not you know 30 days from a, a catastrophe or anything like that. So Right.
0: Yeah, just running this business at scale. So mm-hmm. you guys are all are you guys still primarily Amazon? or yeah, well, you got anything yeah. else going on? Okay.
1: Primarily Amazon. We do sell a couple of the other big places, Walmart, eBay, but it's it's primarily Amazon.
0: They're all secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, You got you.
1: How big is your team now? Total people? You know, to- body count sounds great. We're doing about thirty on our team, but. A lot of them, those folks, are part time. We have a lot of great students who are working with us, sort of either as their first job, they're in high school or they're out of, out of high school and just looking to uh, have a flexible warehouse spot where they can work to pay the you know the rent in university really easily. That sort of setup is is more than half of our team, but we're about about ten full time, ten to twelve, give or take. And
0: where's your warehouse at?
1: So we're in Michigan, southeast Michigan area. Okay. And yeah, we have about 10,000 square feet that we're there at, and just busy every day now.
0: And and how are you kind of tracking like what's a good day for you or a good week for you? Or if, you know, however transparent you're comfortable being Mm -hmm. with your numbers, just give me some raw data as far as sales.
1: Sure. So our our sales are on pace this year to be a bit north of 5 million. And our best month was right around 600,000. So... Depending on the ups and downs of seasonality and and sometimes supply chain hits us pretty hard, but we I would say you you ask a great question on like what metrics are are driving success because that's actually something I've recently identified we can really grow in is you know we've been throwing products against the wall so to speak saying we test it with Keepa. it looks like it'll uh, check out. Let's go ahead and buy it. And sometimes we can we've gotten overzealous where we bought too much and then your sales numbers might look good, but the margin's really compressing down um, right. or other other things. So right right now, I'd say we're trying to track how many new listings we add in a week or in a month. Some of those will be bundles, some of those will be just wholesale listings that. You know, which would be exactly like any old replen we just often are buying through wholesale sources because that's just how our team is set up right. um those are that's probably our our driving lead measure and then i'm trying to work on getting some people to help me manage all the ordering a little more so that i can focus on being a bit more sales sort of out, out making new vendor connections right because you know, if you're running a replense team, it's like, how much time are you spending in the store getting new, getting new leads? And for me, it, that same sort of practice tra- transposes over and I need to be finding new wholesale connections and talking to them. And there's so many Amazon sellers these days that a, a simple email blast, I think is becoming less and less effective uh, because they are just getting inundated with requests and sure. they, they want to know who's a real business and who's a trustworthy business. And so that takes a little more work than maybe an email used to yeah. do.
0: Yeah. If you want to hear from a bunch of Amazon sellers, open a business that has the name wholesale in the name of the business. <laughs> <you> can... Right. <laughs> right. So it becomes about relationships and everyone thinks yeah. wholesale is the holy grail. It's like, no, there's some great value there and there's some truly some gold to be mined there for sure. But it's it's a relationship business at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we start everyone out with replans. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's low hanging fruit everywhere. And then you let those products and those, those businesses, those wholesalers, those distributors that you build relationships with lead into. That's how we kind of, you know, for my business, we started doing pretty well with hazmat. So I started like, where, where else can I get hazmat? I'm cleaning out the shelves of a lot of good hardware stores. A mm-hmm. no guy that owned a hardware store, built a relationship with him found out he could take me a little deeper down that path because he had connections and here we are now you know accessing big databases of a lot of hazmat stuff you kind of you follow the the crumbs follow the trails and you build relationships as you go versus saying you know what i think i want to be a a wholesale guy no i think i want to be a a private label guy it's like no you don't get to make those decisions now you go find opportunity and serve well and you, you take where those those breadcrumbs lead
1: you the topic's pretty broad. My my uh title is Lessons from Zero to Five Million That's a Year great. in Sales. And the idea for me was, since this will be my first time doing a solo presentation at the conference, I just wanted to be able to share some of the things that I found most helpful for me two or three years back. The first conference I attended was in 2019. And that was very pivotal. I was about a almost two years into my selling journey. But really didn't understand how professional a lot of people were doing the reseller game. So Mm -hmm. I came in, you know, working a few hours a week, thinking I was doing great, selling about three thousand dollars a month and just had my whole perspective changed meeting people who it seemed like this was their profession and were they doing those numbers every day. Exactly. (laughs) And they got a
0: team and yeah, it blows me away that you could be sitting right next to someone who's got a multiple seven figure business doing, you know the same stuff that you're sitting there trying to figure out if you think it's legitimate or not
1: <laughs> that's exactly where i was at so since then a few of the conferences i've gone to i've really appreciated people who were willing to stand up and kind of share some of their their timeline and things they pulled out along the way and that's really my intent is to just say hey this is kind of where i started this is some of the milestones for me along the way not just in terms of and then i sold this much a month or anything like that but to say yeah it was you know, extremely helpful when I was able to get a full-time person in the warehouse doing the prep and packaging, for example, right? Because right. then suddenly I had 12 more hours a week to spend on over here and that sort of thing. And those little, mm-hmm. just those milestones that I'm hopeful will be able to either inspire somebody who's kind of where I was a couple of years ago, or or just provide clarity for, for people who are asking the same questions I am in terms of all right, I'm here in the business. How do I take it to the next level? What do I need to learn as the business owner to be able to make the right decision with my time? Um, because I, more and more, it seems to be that it's inescapable that we all have the same number of hours in a day and that some people manage to get a lot more done. And it's not that they work 100 times harder is there's just the other ways they're leveraging the the time and the decisions, yeah. what they're putting their effort into. So, you know, I'm not I am not at all claiming to be the expert who can <laughs> who can help somebody get to hundred million in sales, but I think in the same way that it was helpful for me to hear somebody who is just a couple steps ahead, I'm hopeful that I can share some of that encouragement.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a great session for sure. And and if this episode, depending on the timing, you know, we're about a month out, a little less than a month out as we're recording this. From the Proven Conference. There'll be a link in the show notes, July 6th through 8th Columbus, Ohio. If this happens to come out before then, yeah, come see Spencer. We got about 40 breakout sessions. It's going to be phenomenal. But if, if it's after the event, we're capturing the recordings so people can still go check out and, and hear and, and see or experience your presentation that way. Same website. Just grab the recordings. But I love the topic that you've proposed and I came to you, mm-hmm. and I remember saying, "Like, hey, what would you feel like you could deliver a lot of value? Like, you tell me." And and this mm-hmm. was it. And I'd love to hear a couple of little snippets of the lessons you've learned, because you you know just to recap, you went from, no, correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't have really any business experience of any kind. But like you were a nurse. You know, you went to That's nursing right. school, and you were great at what you did, and you were taking it seriously, and you were part of that front line, seeing our nation through a pretty scary time, right? But then you transitioned from that into what I've got to imagine is a slightly slower pace, less intense environment of you know, <laughs> building an amazon business which still has its challenges but it's it's definitely not life or death every day. That's right. <laughs> but you know, you're still nonetheless you're making big decisions that affect the future of your family and you want to take care of your your team of 30 people and you know, you've got lots of commas and zeros flowing in and out every month. What are some of those lessons if you started to put your presentation together like give me a few bullet points.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think the first obvious one is that as you said I didn't come in with A lot of experience. And so for me, there's been a lot of gear shifting in how I look at things from complete employee mindset, somebody who just was hoping I could have a handbook that would tell me what the expectations were, and then I could meet the expectations to realizing that the business world doesn't operate like that. And if that drives you crazy, that might mean it's not a good fit, right? Because that keeps getting more and more open-ended as I go along where, you know, it used to be, I said, okay, what are my metrics for a good number and keep a, okay, that's like the metrics I can hold on to. But now it's like, all right, what do I, what's a good metric for this um, employee who's going to help me in the warehouse? Like I'm supposed to set the metrics, right? Right. (laughs) right. And then then they've got a
0: sick kid and they uh show up late three days in a row, but they're really good. You got to decide, do I keep them or not? And like every, it's all managing the gray areas and trying to set parameters on these endless flood of gray areas. That's what entrepreneurship really is, man. Right? You're trying to bring specifics to new gray area territory almost every day.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so it's been helpful for me to see that while there's this sort of sea of gray areas, on the other hand, there are a lot of resources of people who've gone before. I think you talk about this on the podcast. It's business principles, not necessarily one person's genius idea, where there are a lot of people who have successfully run quality companies. We're not just talking mega corporations, but great teams of all sizes. And a lot of what they say is, you know, boils down to principles. So yes. I have found that sometimes I'll read a business book and it just doesn't hit home. And then, or I even start it and kind of put it away. But then 18 months later, somebody recommends that same book to me on a podcast I'm listening to. I pick it up and Now it's really what I'm ready to hear. Because (laughs) I actually... the student
0: is ready, the teacher appears kind of thing, right? Exactly.
1: Because that's when I have the level of employees, or maybe that's where I'm trying to figure out that sort of question. So the Mm -hmm. takeaway for me is to just continue to make space to learn. And maybe that means listening to podcasts or videos or whatever the, the chosen medium is. But the principle is I should be finding really quality resources and learning them because... If I don't grow, it's gonna be hard for me to really help my business grow. I got a text
0: from one of the most successful students in our community. You know, he's he's done just some remarkable stuff. I mean, we're talking big, big numbers. And I got a text from him yesterday and he he sent me this quote said, You're gonna like this one, Jim. And it was something like, business is like building a road that's always under construction, right? Like mm. you, you just you're always learning new things, you know, you're always going to be. Trying new things, learning new things, failing, fixing stuff that's broke. You, you never just kind of settle back and relax and put your arms behind your head and kick your feet up and go, "Look at the money flowing in!" Like <laughs> it's you know, if you're going to be in the if you're going to be in the muck, you know, that's what it feels like. There's always something to do, always something to learn, always something to fix, uh, and then someday we sell it, you know, and it becomes someone else's thing. But mm-hmm. have you guys done any analysis of your business just to see what it's worth? Like if you were, it's it's a good number to know
1: it's been challenging to really get a hard number on on a reselling business. You know, we've done a little playing around with sort of potential scenarios, but I think that is one of the goals we're working on is to say can we create a clear enough strategy um like that can be replicated and and run by a team so that you know, you can say, if I want to sell it, that's scenario one, or maybe if I become very ill, that's scenario two, right? There's similar right. outcomes saying if I become out of the picture for a short-term or long-term, can this go on without me? And that's definitely something we're working on, but mm-hmm. uh, not not uh, all the way there yet. Yeah. It,
0: it's one of those, you know, as you kind of mature through the stages of, you know, being self-employed is, is so exciting. Mm-hmm. And it it beats having a real job, but you don't want to stay there. You want to move from from that into owning a business, and man- exactly. maybe managing a business to owning a business to investor mentality. Almost like, what's this asset really worth? And if, mm-hmm. like you just said, not to be morbid, like, what if something happens to me? What's you know besides life insurance? What kind of asset am I leaving here? And that means someone else needs to be able to take over. And that's something else I love about the strategies we teach here, Spencer, is you know, you start off with kind of like the self-employed hustle model. Let's put some money in the bank. You start to move into I'm gonna manage and run a business and mm-hmm. I'm have some flexible hours and I'm making decent money to Now you're like an owner, operator, and you can build a team and you've got an asset then ideally as you kind of climb the pyramid of opportunity. Now it's an asset that could be passed off. That's why we start talking private label, branded bundles, stuff that someone else can come in and be like, oh yeah, I just order more of this when I need it and sell the same thing every day. Like That's great. You guys got your own brand, right? That's easier to sell than a list of replens, let's say. Exactly. Which I have heard of some people successfully selling those businesses. More mm-hmm. and more are. But it's a little more challenging. It's not a turnkey for the new owner.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm curious if you know who's who's typically buying uh, reselling businesses, whether replens or otherwise? Well, the ones
0: I've heard are turning it over to, in, in the cases I've heard of success, I've turned it over to the people that have helped them build it. And they become okay. the owner-operators. Okay. And you're still basically running a consultant model because they see the value, they know how it works. and Sure. they kind of make payments to you, the owner. So if you've built a good team, they can continue to sustain that especially if it's built around some really good virtual assistants mm-hmm. that can be replaced if necessary. But, you know, so it's very low labor costs. The team that helped you get there, reward them, mm-hmm. and you just become a uh, percent owner slash consultant and kind of get to step away, which isn't a bad plan to have anyway. Because if you can step away, that means someone else could step into your role and, and run that business. And with the Replens model, I think we're, I, I don't think we're that far from hearing more and more really cool stories because it really is a system. It can be yeah. built. We're finding a bunch of new replins every day. We burn through the, we burn them through six, eight months later, half, 60% of them have burned out. The rest right. are still here, mm-hmm. doing great. Here's how we find them. Here's the systems, the tools we use. I mean, it's getting closer to turnkey. You know, it, it's a seven year old concept now. We're going to have it pretty dialed in here before long, to where people can't step in and take over other people's businesses. I think we're going to see more of that. That's just me kind of mm. prognosticating, but yeah, we're at the forefront of that business model, and it's got a very bright future from my vantage point too.
1: Yeah, is I've been talking to people about it. It's as long as as long as the terrain keeps changing, then there's going to be more replans that come up, and they. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of come and go, and <laughs> it can be a I would say when I talk to replen sellers, that's their primary frustration. And I have to tell them it it does happen in the wholesale side, too. It's not like you can get a three or four year guarantee on any of those listings. Some it's just a slightly different set of things that eventually every goes product, wrong Spencer, <laughs> every
0: product you know it, every product has a life cycle. every product does the one of the fastest life cycles that you'll see is is replins among winning products, okay? Relins just have a very quick life cycle typically because we're resellers. so we're selling what's hot. but I, I often equate it, I think of the the job security that we have as replins third party sellers is similar to the job security that accountants have with the IRS constantly coming out with <laughs> new changes and regulations and rules and people are just like, ah, that's a mess. I don't want to be an accountant. Well, they got really good job security. you know it's it's kind of that similar like, you got to be in the churn. You got to be willing to constantly change and learn new things. But if you're willing to change and learn new things, you can write your own ticket, man, because mm-hmm. the replens are everywhere. You just, you know, you can't get married to products. But again, that's just level one. Level two, that's right. branded bundles, man, which you've done some of. I think you hinted at, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, we've had a lot, of, a lot of success with that. And it's a whole different can of worms and trying to figure out how to identify an opportunity that isn't currently there. Think, think from a customer standpoint and decide what, what would they really like to see over, over the current options. And it gets a little more complicated in terms of trying to do some keyword research to understand maybe the amount of demand for a potential bundle and then doing a little bit of advertising to get it in front of the most interested shoppers to then teach the Amazon search engine who else they should be showing it to for free organically but yeah we we love doing doing that and it's it's a whole piece of what our team spends time on that's fantastic yeah
0: we're getting we're hearing some incredible success stories about people kind of transitioning from a successful replans, wholesale model into some private label bundles mm-hmm. Pri- you know we call it the uh, provenbrandbuilding.com is the course it's inside the proven amazon course but that's where we kind of focus that content I'll stick a link in the show notes for the listeners today. But yeah, it sounds like you guys are starting to have some fun with that. And, and uh, you know, we kind of drifted away from your presentation. I'd like to hear, is that part of what you're going to cover as well? Kind of like the, the different business models that
1: you've... Well, I think, I think I would hit on it. But I honestly have felt more and more that the specific strategy is, is less important. Mm-hmm. Um, that if I wanted to go all in on replens that we could probably do seven, pl- you know, healthy seven figures of replense if we were manipulating the right variables, right? How many yep. new listings do we need to add? What's sell price do they need to be, et cetera. And we just pivoted into wholesale largely because my brother and I decided we need to focus on one thing and we don't have enough time or skills to really be successfully Playing multiple games at once. And so we said, let's go all in on wholesale. And we were at the time doing some retail arbitrage and things. And we just said, let's shut it all down and just work on wholesale. And so I think just as easily, our story could have been like some of the online arbitrage success stories who people have built really impressive businesses that are amazing to me because I know nothing about (laughs) online arbitrage, but it's just the same concept of what does work. Where can you get it? How many is smart to buy, and how many is way too much risk to buy? And and then just working on doing that more times than the you know more quickly than the listings sort of fall off the back end. And that's sort of the it's, I think as simple as the growth is in the sort of the basic reselling concepts. I think it applies to replens, to online arbitrage, to wholesale, and frankly even to bundles. Mm-hmm. Just. About equally, because um, we've had bundles. Some of the first that we launched were were doing great during the pandemic, and they were like uh, sta- shelf stable foods, or you know, more so in the more in the line of things that people would want to try to have on hand for five years. And people aren't buying those anymore, or at least there's very different product offerings. And so the bundles are completely gone. It's the same same <laughs> life cycle, and so we need to go out and be working on strategies to. Discover the next keywords that we're trying to target and figure out where to buy those products and put it together. So, uh, I honestly am less that that to me has been a lesson is that maybe the strategy, the exact strategy is less important. And it's the like one step back, the understanding of the economics of being a reseller that's more important. That would be saying, Am I actually earning enough gross profit on each sale? to meaningfully cover the expenses and the returns and whatever other things in the business to move the business forward? Or if I buy and sell this product, am I essentially treading water? Yes, it says I made 60 cents on paper, but with the poly bag and the shipping and the 10 cents I spent on PPC advertising, (laughs) end up doing nothing. And I did a lot of that when we first started out, where I said, hey, this will help drive a lot of sales. and then once we got on the bookkeeping side and looked back realizing that you know it's very 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 slim margins to the point where you know it would have been better to not bring the stuff in-house at all
0: yeah you're getting excited about the wrong products you know you're ignoring Mm -hmm. some of the true winners and you're you're all excited about this thing you're selling 50 a day well we're not making any money we're breaking even it's a treadmill and if you don't know your numbers which you know talk about principles this is a business principle. One of the most important business principles is know your numbers, because if you don't, 100%. now you're working on instinct and feels like we're making a lot of money. I mean, we're shipping a lot of product and we're <laughs> we're buying it for less than we're selling it, so that's good, right? Well, are you sure? <laughs> you know, yeah. What's your return, rate? And that's where tools like Sellerboard really come in. And uh, SilentGym.com/slash/numbers is Sellerboard. That's probably one of the more f- probably the favorite, I would say, tool for most sellers in our community that are really trying to dial in and know which of my ASINs are winners, especially in a fast pace, like reseller, wholesale, constantly changing your inventory, what you're selling. You want to know which ones are your winners and losers and which ones are really that top 20% that yeah. you don't want to lose track of. You can't just use instinct. But how, exactly how are right. you guys doing it? Like, What processes have you put in place if there's anything we could learn there in brief fashion?
1: Sure, sure. So we kind of do a... Regular set of books summary, but then we also use Sellerboard and RevSeller for initial, like, single ASIN analysis. But then we'll use Sellerboard to just say, Hey, this isn't maybe officially going on the books. This number is how much profit we made. That doesn't matter. The question is, relatively, of all these ASINs we have, which ones exactly, like you said, which ones are performing well, which ones are underperforming, and use that as sort of a screening. We've started working on some, like, Excel tools to help try to pull report data from Amazon reports and put it in a more user-friendly visual fashion, and that's that's an evolving process to know what's too much work and what's actually helpful. But yeah, I'd say our biggest thing is to use Sellerboard and then a couple of the like Amazon reports on. Well, Sellerboard does a great job, frankly. It It pulls in.
0: Continually improving. For the price, it's hard to be like 15 bucks or something. Yeah, it's terrific. They dive in and and break the numbers down. Yeah, they had a kind of a slow startup as a company. We were one of the first communities they came to, and Mm. it took them a while to kind of win over some fans, but now they're they're really, they're one of the top sponsors of our show. They've got a bunch of users. They're helping sponsor our, uh, our conference. Uh, Yeah, just some good, some really good guys know what they're doing. I love, you know, I love that they don't just tell you, hey, what does cost, but they also say, hey, Amazon owes you this much money over here, like this, you know, returns Mm -hmm. and everything that you know credits do, and because there's a lot of fees that can stack up on you, long term storage and such, and it's really helpful to be able to know what those top, you know, again, twenty percent. That's an intentional number, by the way. You know, the Pareto principle, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. All of us in any business model you know where we've got multiple customers or multiple products or you know multiple processes 20% of them are producing 80% of our bottom line results it's virtually impossible to escape that pattern <laughs> and it's fractal too which is incredible to me but i won't dive into that but you know it, so you take the top 20% of your top 20% and you know, it's producing yeah. 80% of We've well, seen it. Top 20. I mean, it's crazy. So you get down to this like one or two, like these are our golden gooses, buddy, <laughs> right here. These exactly. Two, right? If I lose these two, man, then we take a kind of a hit and you think, man, it'd be nice to have like 50 of those. Well, at the point you get 50 of those, you still have two that are like the top. That's right. Right? That's and right. Uh, You just can't escape it. You can't. But what you do want to do is eliminate like that bottom 20% that's dragging you that you just don't know about. You've always got to be eliminating that while yes. protecting the top, instead of focusing on all of it equally. You know, those are just some mini lessons from the, from the Pareto, but it sounds like you guys have started diving in and being intentional about some of that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. It's a matter of trying to say what, what meets the criteria for being worth the team's time. Mm-hmm. Right? And that that kind of becomes another shifting target, right? And originally as we had something like we wanted to sell a couple times a month. And then you say, well, having that product come in and be on a wholesale order and we have to track it. If we only ordered four units or 10 units, maybe that's not worth it anymore. And figuring out how that how that changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't don't let your eye off the ball of the of the top performers and exactly. Keep finding new ones. And you know, you've got to leave enough time in your life too. There's there's always more to do. But you've got to leave enough time. And you and I were chatting before we hit record today, it has to be learning. Trying new things, listening to podcasts that maybe challenge you slightly outside of your arena. Uh, And some of the, because some of those relationships, I can't unfortunately give the example that's in my head right now because it's something that's developing, but completely out of left field because I took the time to meet this gentleman and some of the things that could turn into, he knows nothing about our industry. I know nothing about his, but the potential combination of the two could lead to something really cool. So, the constant hunt for new relationships. I think that's what it means to manage businesses at your size is to grow to the next level means what relationships are we going to add on what key connections, you know, maybe you guys become the distribution center because you're good at bringing stuff in and shipping it, right? Maybe there's like one magical product, you know, there was a, uh, there was a homeschool book that just caught fire and someone in our community became the the distribution center for their book. Like, we're just selling a ton wow. of merchant fulfill orders. I don't know. What, like, Hey, you guys, you guys know how to do Amazon. Can we, you take our orders? Like, yeah, that's what we do all day. and need day all day anyway. So, right. So you've got this person outside of your industry. It's like, Hey, you guys got 10,000 square foot. You got an extra thousand square foot a month. We could pay you 20 grand to manage this for us. Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay. So it's those kind of, I think that's part of what you have to leave open as a leader of a business your size is those relationships and connections which is why I'm so excited you're coming to the event too that's you know I am going to do my best to get this episode out before the conference so you have yeah, sure. people come <laughs> like hey I saw you Spencer I wanted to talk to you man um,
1: awesome yeah no that that's exactly right I'm I'm 100% on the same page that it's so at, at this scale that we're at you know I think back a couple of years ago and was easier to take more time off because I was only doing the business part-time I was working and doing part-time or whatever the balance was and once the business expands to full time it's easy to then feel like oh maybe I need to give it a little more maybe I can what should I do for the last 2 hours of the day and it's it's very easy for the to-do list to take up every hour and that is definitely one of the things that I've been learning is that the most fruit comes out of those times when I'm not technically doing work in the business right but I'm learning or at a trade show or at a conference like the one coming up, just Mm -hmm. being present and and, um, interacting with people and in the sort of other ways other than just submitting purchase orders and putting ASINs up on Amazon. There's a lot more to it that I can't even see yet if I'm always head down in the business.
0: Yeah, and and you know, it's an interesting contrast too. You've been doing this enough time. This is a question I don't think I've ever asked anybody before, especially someone who had like an intense... Pre e-commerce career, nursing, you mm-hmm. know, working in a very intense environment. I got to imagine sometimes you you brought it home with you in your head. It's like, man, I could have done more, should have done more. Did I do that right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of playing the day in your head, or I don't know. Maybe you turned it off easily. I don't know. I got to assume that there was some. Come, but how do you contrast turning it on and off and still being a husband and a dad and a family guy and with nursing and now in e-commerce? Like, what's the? Is there a difference there?
1: Well, I love the question because it's something I think about a lot. And actually, in my experience, it was way easier to leave it at the hospital and not bring anything home because it was set up like shift work, right? I would go in and punch in at this time, do absolutely everything I needed to while I was there. And then once I left the building, there was nothing I could do. I was unable to work on it more. And so it was for me a really easy mental divide, whereas um, I do a lot of working from home and there's like oh it's saturday morning like i could could go do this there's the suddenly a, a more difficult like barrier to draw and i tend to be the sort of person that wants to complete something and then have it be done and that's another challenge i'm learning is how to say i'm done with this for now i'll come back to it on monday for example because as you said earlier you're never really done building your business unless you were to sell it, right? And then you you, you can't work on it anymore in that case because it's someone else's ownership. But like the rest of the time, you could go, you know, schedule another podcast or work on another, get another coaching student or find a new ace and whatever the, the thing is, you can always do more. And so- There's
0: always more, absolutely. There's always multiple projects. There's always trying to figure out how to categorize those projects and prioritize them. Have you ever seen my project board on that note? I, I, don't, show you I don't know that I have I' show it to you. I've shown it visually a couple times. For those who are listening, you're not missing much. it's 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 a, it's a <laughs> two foot by three foot board with a bunch of magnets and notes on it. but let me just show you real quick. this is this is it. Those oh, yeah. are all the you know, the different pins <laughs> and scribbles. those are all the improvements coming for the proven Amazon course.
1: Nice year or so. You're not getting all those done by the conference. Is that what you're saying?
0: But here's the thing. To to go on the point you just made, and I think it's a very healthy way to approach this, I'm done with it for now. Mm -hmm. It's very important. You've got to learn how to say, I'm done with it for now. Because otherwise, those things can just consume you. So having a system where you can kind of, I don't like to even say turn it off, because there's times where I'll be doing something fun and I'll solve a problem in my head. And I'll I'll make a quick note. yeah. Did I just violate my own rule doing that? No, absolutely not. It it almost becomes more like a a child that you're raising instead of a job that you go to. You clock in, you clock out, and you forget about. It becomes like that's something right. you're nurturing, and it's part of you. and And so that's why I say, you know, I get asked the question sometimes. Spencer, like, how do you balance? Like, you know, you guys homeschooled. You've got a great relationship with your wife. You guys take some nice trips, and you go to church on Sunday, and, and you don't work on Sunday. But you're really you tackling a lot of projects. How do you balance all this? I'm like, I don't even try to balance it. I just tried to merge and integrate it all. Mm. So at any given time, I can step into husband role, overlap that with dad role, overlap that with business role. Let's do something together that helps the business today, guys. Or you know, we're out and about, and hey, I have to stop and make a quick. I'm gonna stop into the office while I got the kids with me. You know. It's just, it all integrates in. I'm not trying to parse it out and turn it on and off at different times. But you keep prioritize the most important things. You know, for me, my walk with God, then my spouse, then my kids, then the business. That's in that order. And if one starts to outpace the other in the wrong order, now that's when we're like, okay, pump the brakes. What's going on here? Yeah. So rather than turning anything on and off, it's more about just kind of blending and then keeping Mm -hmm. everything in its proper place. Yeah. If that makes Uh, sense
1: no it, it definitely does and it's it's something that I, I would say is higher up on the challenges for me personally because i when i look back over the, my educational journey it was a lot of like i wanted to get i love that end of semester feeling right yeah, all my finals were over mm-hmm. and it's getting into the working world and especially in the business world it just doesn't happen like that and i don't want to be you know obsessive and and then like I'll, I'll obsess about it for seven years and then sell it. Well, okay, that's a those are big blocks of time. You gotta live. You gotta that's live that whole time. seven years, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's um definitely a I would say a piece that I'm still working through and not yeah. not quite ready I, to I throw in a summary. Do.
0: You know that that's the challenge. That's one of the challenges of entrepreneurship is there's always more you could be doing. Mm-hmm. And you know wh- when it gets really bad is when you're just kind of grinding for the bare minimum. I hear these guys sometimes. It's like. I'm putting in 60 hour a week and I'm barely paying the bills and keeping the lights on and like, oh gosh, that's brutal. So you want to be in a model that scales. That's right. Where you can bring other people in and slowly step away and do the stuff that only you can do. If you're not making enough money to do that slowly over time, you know, are you in the right business? But that's what attracts me to e-commerce is, you know, there's always new ways to expand. And like, I would I would look at a guy like you and your you're position's very well. You probably haven't done any consulting yet. Easily. Uh, no. Easily. Yeah. So easily help brands, you know, there was just a post in the Facebook group right before I hopped on with you from another one of our coaches who's helping a brand just blow it up and they're getting paid a cut, you know, mm. since so they don't have the grind, they're not touching the products, they're just helping them say, hey, here's what it looks like to, to have an Amazon presence and let me help you manage this and maybe you do the fulfillment, who knows, but sure. you know, brands need help. Brands do not know how to navigate. So, some of these wholesale brands you're working with, I could, I would venture to guess that you're one phone call away from representing them on Amazon and becoming either their exclusive seller or help them get their own presence.
1: Yeah, that is, products. it's something we're just starting to explore, figuring as we've seen some of the brands we've purchased from go through iterations of saying at first they, their first, said, uh, yeah, anybody who wants to sign up can sell on Amazon. And then right. they say, well, okay, we're not taking any more sellers. And then there's they start to
0: you. slow down. Right? Then
1: they start to say, all right, what do we do next? We have There's a, a lot of things going on on Amazon. We need a, a, a plan, a system, and mm-hmm. kind of just slowly stepping towards a little more clarity in their own vision. And, and it
0: makes sense. I mean, because we know the statistics, Spencer, you've heard me talk about it, probably the uh, approximately 15 to 18% of all retail is online. Have you heard that? Nope. Yep. Right? Yep. About 85% of it's still not. So these wholesalers, distributors, 85% of their time is spent brick and mortar, their traditional distribution channel, people that right. have to honor the map pricing, the minimum advertised price. They have no option. They can't, unless they, you know there's an agreement where they can clearance it after a year or something, but everyone else has to. But then you get these resellers on Amazon and they're playing with prices all day, every day up and down and everything. And so their traditional channel is really upset with them. Yeah. Saying, why do they? Why do the guys on Amazon get to sell it for less than what I have to sell for my store shelf. And they're getting a lot of pushback. So if you come in as the hero and say, hey, I'm going to help you honor map pricing, help you set up your own account, help you step out of the noise of all these sellers, you're going to be paid directly from Amazon. I just get a cut of that check. Yep. That business model, we have a name for it. It's the PPP, the Proven Product Partnering Model. Yep. right? It's it's a yep. module in the Proven Amazon course, and we have a lot of people doing it. And like You're positioned as well as anyone, but that requires margin. It's not another thing on your to-do list. It's... I'm going to step out and create 10 or 15 hours of free time a week right. to start to pursue these other models. So I'm not, I'm not busier. I'm just launching new streams and automating them better.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I I believe that's a, a great opportunity. Um, once you have the skills to really be able to speak expertly to all the all the those different areas, OA, RA, they're all the same strategy set really once are. you have it and you really can refine it then that's the, you know, then the time to go and talk to just the brands the and we're seeing it.
0: Yeah. I, I would, I would challenge you just like kind of brainstorm through some of those top wholesalers. Maybe they were great mm-hmm. and they drifted away or you got a good relationship kind of going and it's still going to be good, but just call and have a conversation, make the proposal just even in a couple minutes of, because you know, it really is a no brainer proposal that you're making to them. I'm not mm-hmm. asking you to change anything. Keep selling on Amazon. That's want to help you sell more and help you manage it for a cut. And so, oh, that's interesting. Maybe we can get rid of all those 800 resellers that are <laughs> climbing all over each other in our catalog right now. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can help you manage that. Right? And then, then you just go in and help them set up their own account. And it, it's a it's a pretty seamless, pretty seamless. You know, sometimes people say, you know, some of the, you know when they say, man, I was on this really hot replan or wholesale or whatever, and then it kind of went away. Like, oh, disappointed. Like, no, that's an opportunity. The reason it went away is because there's a. A bunch of people climbing all over it suddenly. It mm, wasn't before. That's right. As much as that's a headache for you, that's a headache for the brand, for the distributor as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Help them solve that problem. Every time there's opposition, there's opportunity. If you see it through the right lens. Mm. So some of those past winners could be some of your best clients. You <laughs> this is a pattern we see quite frequently.
1: Oh, I see it too. That's a, that's uh, my Anders and I. He's my brother. We we talk about that sort of where is this going? Where are the resellers? Uh, where's the future of uh, reselling on Amazon going? And obviously, I don't believe it's going away. Oh, it's um, there's, I've been here there's now l- for 20 years. Yeah. I laugh yeah. every
0: time. <laughs> it's not going anywhere
1: there's loads and loads of people that are still coming in and loads of brands that are being launched. There's a lot every of day. stuff. Every um, day. Millions um, but, of new
0: replans appear every day on Amazon. Yeah.
1: And, and then a, a lot of... But as you said, a lot of the brands that we've previously worked with or found great brands that are through distribution... There are increasing numbers of them that are saying, All right, we can't let Amazon be unregulated anymore. We have to figure out the Amazon problem. And then there they are. They're mm-hmm. looking for help. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe they're not sure they're looking for help yet. But if you gave them a solution that was that easy, they, uh, they might take it. Yeah. Well, I, and I've got evidence of that.
0: You know, Nathan. Uh, Bailey has done this. I've done it a couple of times. He's done it more than me. He's our coaching director, as you well Mm -hmm. know, Spencer. Been with me for coming up on 20 years now. But take us to any trade show where there's people with booths selling stuff, trying to find distributors and trying to get themselves into more retail. And you just walk up and say, how do you guys feel about Amazon? You're going to get, with rare exception, you're going to get a couple different responses. (laughs) One is, oh, no, no, no. We, We don't need any more Amazon sellers. You know, that's one. That's it's kind of common, not necessarily. It depends on how long they've been around, that sort of thing. The other one is going to be, man, it's it's killing us. I just, I cannot figure it out. We need to, we don't know what we're doing. We've had some success, but man, it's just a bloodbath that we don't we can't navigate it. That's what most of them are gonna say. Most brands, manufacturers, wholesale, it's like, man, I wish we could figure this thing out. Yeah. So here you yeah. come from a community of people that live, eat, breathe, sleep, Amazon, and you can help them solve literally every challenge they're facing. And it doesn't cost them anything to try or very little. <laughs> you know, some people charge a little money to help them get set up. Others say, I'm going to do it for free. Sure. Set up your account, get your stuff listed. To, I just want to cut. Why not? It doesn't cost them anything, doesn't cost you anything. And now you're helping them manage it. But just the number of brands who are seriously uh, confounded, confused, conflicted, upset, disappointed with Amazon, and they want some help managing this beast that they can't make it go away. They know that. Yeah. Because they keep showing up on them.
1: And that that includes they're... that even includes brands who are selling through vendor central, selling directly to Amazon. Oh, absolutely. I've talked to them and they the say, boys. I mean, I talked to one gal recently who was like she started getting visibly visibly upset as the conversation progressed because she's mm-hmm. so frustrated. And and hear my experience when I looked up their brand, they were selling, you know, truckloads of stuff through Amazon. But it turns yeah. out it's still behind the scenes really frustrating relationship for them Absolutely. on various levels. I
0: mean, because, you know, you get these guys at Amazon, I'll make the proposal and say, hey, you know, rather than using the reseller shop, we're just going to go exclusive to us. We're just going to buy a bunch of it at a time and and we'll set up and sell. We'll just pay for truckload at a time. Like, oh, that sounds great. Well, what they don't tell you is if the sale's slow on any of these ASINs, we're going to drop those prices into the bargain basement, baby. And yeah. we're going to send it back to you because we can't sell it. And so these people <laughs> who are operating a volume you know, it's the same thing Walmart kind of does. Yeah. People are like, oh, I got my stuff onto the shelves at Walmart. Oh, that's great. It's like, no, you better hope it sells, buddy, because otherwise it's in the contract and the fine print. You don't get paid until Amazon makes a ton of money. If they don't make a ton mm-hmm. of money, guess what? All that stuff's coming back. And you send us a bunch because we're Walmart, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like you can yeah. find yourself in over your head very quickly. Amazon does that to people too. So if you help them learn that you know, slow, steady, let's wade in, Let's let's control our listings, let's kick off the bad actors, let's monitor things and keep an eye on things you really can write your own ticket with that business model. But again, the, the entry-level gate, the entry level business opportunity truly is replense to learn in a right. safe, low-risk, high-odds-of-success environment to where you can start to earn the right to step into some of these other things. But you guys are positioned beautifully for this, man. I'd love to see you guys start to explore with some of that. Just conversations. No yeah. more qualified than you already are. Just conversations. You don't have a proposal or a website or a business card. Just making an observation, and making a quick verbal proposal.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Just especially framing it in a sort of a low low barrier for, for me, right? Or for anybody else who's in this mm-hmm. position saying they have experience and want to try it out. Just have the conversation. One of my distributors that I bought from for a few years now is actively trying to pitch, hey, we have this licensed product. We really want to get it up. Can you help us? Can you help us? Right. I haven't even initiated the conversation. They're coming to me now because they trust that we know how to sell things. Yeah. So I think there's a few different ways that I can.
0: And someone like that, that's like, Hey, I've, I just built the world's best mousetrap and the world needs to hear about me. And can you help me sell this on Amazon? That's a different creature altogether. I want some money from Mm -hmm. that guy. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're excited about that mousetrap you built, buddy, but There's a lot of mousetraps out there. But if you're willing to pay me, I'll help you build your presence. I'll help you do it with excellence. I can't guarantee sales. That's right. And he may have have some money. But I'm talking more about the stuff that's just like already cooking. Those brands, Mm -hmm. with very few exceptions, if they haven't hired a team of people and put them on staff and paid them a lot of money and kept the team very, very creative at managing their brand, Mm -hmm. very up to speed, like in our Facebook group, listening to this podcast, listening to other Amazon resources, if they're not doing that they're in over their heads and they're confused and they know they're losing money and Amazon keeps smacking them when they don't expect it. You know, Amazon doesn't care who you are. They'll smack you in the head. Yeah. And they're getting sick of that. Like you're you're only 5 to 7% of our, our total pie. Exactly. And, we need it and we like it, but man, you're a pain to deal yeah. with. Everyone feels that way about Amazon. So you help them navigate that. So I'm more talking about the brands that have momentum versus helping someone with a dream project launch.
1: Yeah, that's a great clarification.
0: Yeah, scarier territory for sure. It's higher risk territory.
1: Yes, yes, because you have to go from zero to something, and not Mm -hmm. from already having momentum and reviews and listings that are indexed and all that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So it's an important distinction for sure. We're not saying we can help anybody launch any product, you know, because our community is full of people who came from the private label arena as their first adventure and they mm-hmm. spent five thousand dollars on a course and thirty thousand dollars on inventory and it's all still in their garage and they're about to give up on amazon when they discover oh there's a different way to kind of wade into this and actually make money while i learn that's what oh, yeah. we teach so it's the same kind of contrast of you know the company that's out there and yeah we're going to build this great product and launch it on amazon it's going to be great like well you know, there's already 80 other people selling that same thing. And half of them are from China making it for you know, <laughs> 10 cents a unit.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. So,
0: <laughs> you know, it's it can be doggy dog I'd rather go where there's momentum. That's the advantage we have is with the reseller mentality. Yeah. What else is on your mind, man? What else? Uh, lessons, maybe a few things that you've picked up along the way. We kind of mm. touched on that presentation you're going to do a couple times. Any other highlights from that that you can give us a teaser?
1: well i got to got to spend some more time on it so i don't have a, a boatload of teasers yet that's but right. um i think we've touched on a few of them i'll I'll say again you got to make space to continue to learn i mean that's easy to talk for an hour and don't don't lose it you got to make space this podcast definitely applies for a lot of people and at the point when you're like hey i don't feel like i'm learning maybe as much as i could with this time I'm not trying to diss your podcast but hey add another one Yep. Switch one out. Listen, to your every fourth podcast. Add something new. I mean, it's the same concept. Different things are going to hit at different times, and they keep just keep making space for that, right? And then in the business, do that step back and look at the numbers, and and drive the decisions based on the numbers. Those are like probably the two biggest things that I'm having to remind myself of because I have the good problem of having a business that's growing. Which creates all this pressure back on my time saying, Hey, put out this fire. Hey, take care of this thing. And very easily, I'm not, I'm not listening to your podcast. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I haven't been on the proven Amazon course in six months, right? Because I'm all of a sudden, I'm just stuck in the nitty gritty all the time. And so it's important to step back and, and probably schedule, you know, especially if you're a scheduled person, yeah. put that in and say Thursdays after 2 PM. You know, two p.m. to dinner—that's my time. I'm gonna once a week look in on a, a new module and then put some action steps together for the next week or something. But otherwise, man, it just all fills up, and and then it's you're just doing the same busy. thing. Exactly, you're doing the same busy work ne- next year that you were this year. And yeah, um, one of the ways that
0: I've taught people to kind of detect when they're stuck in that is if it if it kind of feels really repetitive. Mm, mm-hmm. If you're if you're weak. Kind of looks like last week. As a business leader, that's okay temporarily, but you should be doing new things constantly. Passing off, building I routines, like building processes, you know, and then and, and handing them off to other people who who understand now. Here's the guardrails on the process, and I'm going to take this over now, and that's their thing. And that's they only right. alert you when they're having trouble with it because you found a new exception to the rule. Right, <laughs> right. So it, otherwise, and so your time's freed up. So ideally, you know, you've got a lot of time to dedicate to the types of activities. The only thing I'd add to your list, which is a great list, always be learning. Right, you know, you got to mm-hmm. step back, step back from business. Know your numbers. So carve out that time. Know your numbers. The only thing I added in very intentionally, I think, is relationships, because yeah. that's kind of the like. If if I just had five minutes to spend with you, and I got to ask you two or three questions to kind of see. You, Trajectory wise, not because I'm all wise and all knowing. I just, I've seen a lot of businesses. This is a really good question that people see, don't see coming. Mm-hmm. It reveals a lot about where they're heading and where, how their business is doing. And simply, how many new relationships per month are you adding in? Interesting. To your business? Yeah. People that you can call, if you're getting on Zooms with them, maybe mastermind, like how many per month would you say? And it's like, oh gosh, it's been months, man. I'm grinding, dude. I'm grinding. I'm, I'm serving my team and I'm just grinding. Like, well, you're going to yeah. probably be at that same level for a while because those new opportunities start to open up when you carve out a little time to reach back in time the people that you know six months ago. How that person drift off my radar? I need yeah. to reach out to them and just have a ten minute call, like, and my magic two word question: How's business? <laughs> How's business? Right? And they're going to ask you, and you're going to say, You know what? I've been meaning to talk to you actually. And then boom, million dollar opportunity. Yeah. Right. It's oh, just I, I mean, it's it so much. So people numbers and carving out your time for education. I mean, that's a book, dude. You could write a best-selling book right there on those <laughs> three concepts. I promise you, that's a book.
1: I just need to get a ghostwriter, right? Exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. It's good hanging out with you. Going to see you here in a few weeks. And uh, is your brother coming with you?
1: I'm not sure he will sure be. Sure he's got yeah. a lot of, lot going on at home. Uh, I think he he's trying to make that final decision.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, no pressure either way, but it's gonna be great seeing you. I appreciate you being one of the presenters at the conference. But anything else on your mind before we wrap it up? I thought this was a fun update, dude. I got a lot out of it.
1: Well, no, I appreciate it. I, I think I'm good. I'm I'm really excited to come and, and meet people. And you know, we've we've said a few times, make the space and make relationships. And like that's that's why I keep coming to the conference, right? I'm I love the relationships I get to have with some of the students. I don't coach a ton, but I really enjoy just Getting on the phone and hearing what people are doing. And so, you know, if anybody who's able to make it out, I, I highly, highly encourage it. And, and even if you don't, like that, there's some of the most important business relationships I've had have been from other events and local, local yep. businesses I found near me mm-hmm. who became really, you know, suppliers or other other sort of connections. So I I love that relationship. That's I I need to make sure that's in the talk because that actually has been something that has really been a huge, huge learn for me.
0: Yeah. Share a couple of, you know, when we get to the event, you know, and you're doing your presentation, a couple of specific examples. I think people always appreciate that.
1: Sure. You know, just uh, I've
0: heard the stories, you know, two dads leaning against the fence at their son's ball game and like, so what do you do, man? Tell me about your business. Oh, what do you, do? boom, multi million dollar opportunity for both of them. He had what you needed and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like the number of people who would say, oh, wow, wait, you understand e commerce and you know how to sell things online. Wow, we've been looking for someone like you. Do you mind, you know, if we asked you some questions, took you to lunch? Like you've got a very valuable, I'm not talking you, Spencer, although I am, but everyone listening. Exactly. Valuable skill set. It's one of the most valuable bodies of knowledge, arguably, that you could have in our culture right now is understanding (laughs) e-commerce and how to sell things online. Are you kidding me? This is this is probably right up there with any college education you can get. And it's on a free podcast, man. So yeah. take advantage of that with relationships. Yeah. Great way to end the show today, buddy. Well, hey, I appreciate your time, man. And, and like I said, I'll, we'll, we'll see you soon. Okay.
1: Sounds great. Thanks again, Jim. Really, really a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.